0: Well, we are uh, in the final week of our I Am series. I I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have, uh, looking at these things and studying these seven I Am statements of Jesus that we find in the book of John. Uh, These have been things that we've looked at where Jesus has kind of really expressed to us who he is and his character and why he came and uh, we are on the last week of that. Um, We're going to be starting a new series next week and so I'm excited about sharing that with you. But today we're on uh, the last I am statement of Jesus and Jesus makes this statement in John 15 and he basically says that he is the true vine. And uh, that is what we're going to be talking about this morning. But before we jump in, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this morning and this opportunity to come together. Even though we're not physically together, we are together to learn about who you are and, and, and what you want us to understand about you and your character and why you came and all these things. And I, Father, I just pray that you would just anoint me This morning, you would help me to share the things that you've laid on my heart. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and, and kind of jump in. We're going to kind of continue what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. We're going to first talk about the setting. Again, we want to look at the context of these statements, why Jesus is making them, when he's making them, and, and kind of uh, how that's important and how that plays into the all understanding of what Jesus is saying. So uh, if you were with us last week, um, this obviously is a statement that he makes pretty soon after he makes his statement about the way, the truth, and the life. And so it's basically actually the same night. It's Thursday night. It's obviously a little bit later in the evening than when it was uh, when he made the earlier statement. But it's still Thursday night of Passion Week. Um, tomorrow he is going to be crucified and so on and so forth. So it kind of gives you an idea of, of where they are in the story. And basically, we're gonna, before we get into the actual text that we're gonna be looking at, uh, we're gonna look at John 14. So in John 14 verses 30 and 31, we're going to kind of get a a better understanding of the setting and when Jesus is making this statement on Thursday night. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. So really what's going on here, to give you an idea of where we're at Thursday night, Jesus and the disciples have gathered together, they've celebrated uh, the Passover feast. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. He's he's taught them many things. He's he's had the exchange with Peter about, about him denying and all those sort of things. He's had the, the confrontation to an extent with Judas. And so they've been in this room, and now Jesus is leaving. Now he says, okay, it's time to go. Uh, if you are familiar with some of the other Gospels, Jesus leaves uh, that area, and he goes to a garden to pray. And, and basically, if you remember, this this is where Jesus asks his disciples to pray with him, and and they fall asleep, and and Jesus prays that amazing prayer about not his will being done, but the Father's will being done. So that's kind of where we're at in the story, and really, uh, John 15 and 16, we believe that as uh, the, that kind of have the setting here during those chapters, Jesus is walking with his disciples to the garden. Okay, I don't know about you, but one of the things my family has been doing during this time is we've been taking a lot of uh, walks. He rides his bike and, and Emily and I walk and try to keep up with him. And, and Em and I, of course, use that time to talk about life and about what's going on and just connecting. And so really what's going on here is Jesus and his disciples are, are being taught as they're walking to the garden. So as they're walking and as they're discussing and as they're looking at things, we find John 15 1 through 8. And that's our text for this morning. So let's read that together and let's see what Jesus says. So here's what he says. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This morning we're going to kind of look at these things. We're going to look at these verses and really see what God wants us to see and understand and what Jesus is trying to get us to see and understand through these statements uh, that we have been doing. But the first thing we want to talk about as we look at this is first God's pruning. God's pruning. Look at John 15, 1. This is what it says. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Other translations, that vine dresser is, 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 is said as basically a gardener, if that'll help us. Now, the issue with this, as we look at this, is again, like kind of like when we talked about the idea of shepherd. Most of us don't know about vines. We don't know about vine uh, uh, keeping, uh, you know, grape vines and all those sort of things. So we need to kind of understand a little bit, why does Jesus make this comment? Why does he use this terminology? Why does he use this, this picture? And it's very important that you understand that in the Old Testament, we see many, many examples of God using this idea of a vine and, 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 uh, and grapes and things like that. And most of the time, when God uses that, or we see that in the Old Testament, it is, is under the idea of a negative thing. Okay? It's not a good thing. And the reason why that is, is quite simple. It's basically because in the Old Testament, a lot of times Israel was called the vine. Okay? Israel was called the vine. The problem was, was they never produced the fruit that they were supposed to produce. Okay. They never did the things that God wanted them to do as the vine. So these disciples and obviously people that read later, they understood that this was not a positive. To be called the vine wasn't a good thing because a lot of times it was a negative. You, Israel did not produce the fruit. They did not do the things that they were supposed to do. They did not accomplish what God had asked them to accomplish. So here Jesus makes this statement about himself, and he takes a negative idea, and he flips it on his head, and basically he calls himself the true vine. Basically saying Israel was not the vine. I am the true vine. Now again, what is Jesus saying here? He's communicating that he is more than just a prophet. He's communicating more than he's just a teacher. He's literally communicating, I am God. I am God's son. He's claiming his divinity in this statement by claiming himself to be the true vine. And we need to understand that. We need to understand why he's doing this because basically then the rest of the statements that he makes help make a little bit more sense. Because basically he's saying, look, you cannot produce the fruit that my father requires of you on your own. You need the true vine. You need me to do that. In your notes, this is an important thing that I think that we need to understand. I wrote it out so you could see it. And This is what it says. Jesus is basically saying you are supposed to be the vine that produces fruit. But you cannot do it so where you are unfruitful, Jesus, or I, will step in and be fruitful on your behalf. So Jesus here is basically helping us to understand, listen, on our own, we can't do this. We need the vine, we need help, we need the ability to understand that apart from him, we can do nothing. And when I say that, and when Jesus says that, listen, it doesn't mean Jesus is like saying, well, you can't, you know, brush your hair or, or mow the lawn. He's talking about things that have eternal value. Okay, things that have eternal value. If we want to have things that are eternal, if we want to have things that have eternal value, we cannot do those apart from God. We cannot do those apart from Jesus. And so we have to understand a little bit about that. Understand here that as Jesus is claiming to be this true vine, what he's saying. But immediately after that, he begins to get into this concept of, of pruning. He begins to get in this, this concept um, of, of gardening and all those sort of things. But the things even before he gets there, he's under helping us understand this idea that he is the true vine. So now let's continue with John 15:2 because Jesus now continues after making that claim. He says basically in John 15:2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Let me, let me help you with something, because I think we need to understand this, okay? Because sometimes it's easy for us as people, and this is kind of a human nature thing, is we tend to look at others and see their faults and what they aren't doing or whatever. And a lot of times, we always need to start with us. We need to be willing to be open and honest with what we're doing. And, and, and what we see here is very interesting. It's, it's very clear. As Christians, we are supposed to bear fruit, We should have fruit a part of our lives. In the life of a true believer of Jesus or a true follower of Jesus, there will always be fruit. Always be fruit. There will be evidence of God's work in our hearts. Always. Now, now here's here's what we need to understand. Some of us, depending on our journey with Jesus, are going to produce more fruit than others. What is interesting, and we see this throughout scripture, God doesn't necessarily look at you and, and basically judge your life by looking at it going, well, well, this person, look at all this fruit, and, and so you're more special, and you're more loved, and you're more cared for, and, and well, you haven't produced as much, and so there's something wrong with you, okay? What we're seeing here is the idea that fruit should always be evident in our lives, if we are followers of Jesus, that should be the case. And so I'm not, listen, I'm not going to ask you to look at your wife or your husband or your kids or your neighbor or whoever. I'm asking you this morning to look at yourself. Because here's the thing, if you can't see the fruit in your life, I got to believe probably no one else can either. So look at your life. Let's stop for a second are you producing fruit? We're going to talk about what that fruit is in just a minute, but I just think about, are you really producing fruit? Because it's going to be evident. It's going to be evident. And you know, if you're like me, sometimes, you know, we produce good fruit and sometimes we produce bad fruit. And God wants us to produce good fruit, but it needs to be there. And if you're looking at your life and you're going, man, I don't know if I'm producing the kind of fruit that I need to, we're gonna help show you. And Jesus speaks very clearly about how to help make that happen. But, But he also talks about this idea of pruning this idea of pruning. And so let's kind of look at this, kind of unpack this, because again, although maybe there's more uh, gardeners than, than vine dressers, you know, we, we still need to understand this concept, because I think sometimes it's misunderstood. So, so let's just look at it in our world and, and, and understanding how this works. And so it's a simple question. So, so why does a gardener prune? Why does a gardener prune, okay? And from what I understand, I'm not a gardener. I don't have a green thumb, but, but this is what I've been understanding is, is there's basically three reasons why a gardener prunes something, okay? The first is this, something is dead, okay? Something is dead, okay? That is why a gardener, you know, go out to a, a bush or, or a plant or whatever. If there's something dead, the gardener will prune it. Now, that beca- that's very natural to us. That makes sense to us, but let me ask you something. Okay, Just in your own life, what are you holding on to that's dead? What, what, would you, what, what, what is not life giving, but life stealing from you that you refuse to let go of? Because there's certain things in our life that God as our gardener, God as that vine dresser, he wants to remove because they're not bringing life. They're bringing death. And I don't know about you, but, but I can only speak for me. There's been times, unfortunately, in my life where God will kind of like, like prune off something in my life and, and, and it's dead, and I'll run over and grab it and, and, and try to stick it back on with super glue, you know? Those things are dead. There's some things that a lot of us are carrying around, things that are worthless in a lot of ways that, are, that, that, are, that need to be removed. So that's the first thing, things that are dead. The second thing is, is some things, uh, something is unhealthy. If something's unhealthy, the gardener will cut it off. He'll, he'll go, this isn't something that, that's good, and kind of cut it away and cut it off so it doesn't affect the rest of the plant and it doesn't uh, destroy the rest of the plant. So they'll, they'll trim that off because there's something there that's, uh, that's unhealthy. And then the final thing is this, and this is, this is a really important part to understand, something is good but can become better something is good that can become better and a lot of times that's what a gardener will do is they'll 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 prune those things and here's the thing to remember about that there's several things but number one when it's something that's good that wants to be better that something is alive Okay? We can understand the concept of dead and unhealthy. We don't always uh, agree with that or, or whatever, but we can get that. But God will prune things that are living to bring us to a place of better. He will think things that are good so that he can help us do something Better And those can be some very hard things, because a lot of times we, we like those things. We're, we're happy with those things, but we need to understand something. And so I, I wanted to highlight it again uh, in, in John 15 to the second part of that. And this is what it says. It says, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. What, what are we seeing here? What does that mean? He's pruning things that already are producing fruit. He's already, those things are good, but God wants to have there be more fruit. And so he'll prune those things. He'll do those things so that there'll be more fruit. Listen, one of the things I think that we deal with in in our lives is, is, is we sometimes... And, and, and we can do this in, in ministry, we can do this in life, is, is there's so many things that vie for our attention. There's so many things that we kind of get involved in, you know, and, and, and we're, we're going to do this over here, and we're going to do that over here, and we're going to be doing this, and this matters, and that matters. And, and you know what? Those may be really, really good things, but I want to challenge you to pray, and to look to God to help you understand what needs to be cut out, even though it's good, for something that's better. Okay? Something that's better. Because sometimes I think that we miss, if this makes sense, we miss the better things of God because we're so busy doing all the other things. Okay? Okay? um it's, 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 we kind of have a mentality that that uh, that more is always better that more is better oh if we can do this you know sometimes god will say you know what less is more and and if we can follow and do the things that god has called us to do and and do those things and focus on those things that sometimes means that god's gonna gonna cut out some other things and those things may be really good but that's where we have to trust the gardener, okay? That's where we have to know that, that he's not pruning because those things we were doing weren't good, but because sometimes he wants to do something even better in our lives. He wants to do something that's, that's really amazing in our lives, and that's an important thing. When I was a kid, I grew up... Uh, um, in several homes but really the first house I remember growing up in was a house it was a I don't know if if you're like this this is kind of weird that I can remember I, I remember addresses you know that I grew up at so this is the 404 Grant Court uh, house you know and there was the 717 Southeast Claremont house but this was this was the, the first and I was a house before that but but I was too young to remember this is like the house I remember like like first knowing I was in a house and I remember the house in, in vivid detail because I'm weird like that but in front of the house there were rose bushes. I don't know if my mom had planted them or they were there when we bought the house. I have no idea but there were rose bushes and that was not a great thing in a lot of ways because we would play baseball in the front yard and sometimes the ball would end up in the the rose bushes and if you know anything about rose bushes yes they produce beautiful flowers. But they also have thorns and it was never fun to have to be the kid who had to reach into the thorn bush or the rose bush to grab the ball out and you know get scraped up and all that sort of stuff but you know, you had to do what you had to do. But one thing I've learned about rose bushes, and I think it's important that we understand this, and because I think it's a good illustration for us in this idea that sometimes we need to cut some things out, is rose bushes actually produce more buds than they can feed. Do you know that? They actually produce more buds than the plant can actually feed, and if, if rose bushes are left to their own devices, none of the buds are going to be healthy because the plant cannot produce enough nutrients and all those sort of things to make those flowers healthy. They have to be pruned. They have to be pruned. If they're pruned, then you're gonna get some absolutely beautiful roses. You're not gonna get as many, but you're gonna have some awesome roses, okay? But if you don't, you're gonna have more roses But they're not going to be healthy they're not going to be as healthy as they need to be and that's kind of sometimes what god does god will go into our lives and go listen you got too many buds i know you're trying your best i know you want to do your best and that's great but you know what you got too many buds i'm going to need to cut some of these off because i want some good healthy roses So we're talking about fruit here. And again, real quick, what what kind of fruit does God want? What does that even look like? Because sometimes I've had people say, well, I want to produce fruit. What what kind of fruit am I supposed to produce? It's really simple. It's in Galatians 5. A lot of you know these. But this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the things that, that we want to be producing in our lives. And this is what it says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. This is the type of fruit that God wants us to experience. This is the type of fruit that God wants to bring about. This is why he prunes us is so that we can produce that kind of fruit. And listen, one thing you need to remember, God doesn't just work on one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. God comes into our lives and he wants us to not just, you know, he doesn't say, okay, well, we got to get love first. You got to be perfectly loving and perfectly loving in all areas and and then once you get loving down then we'll move on god wants to deal with all of these things at the same time okay and so he wants that to come and so he's working all these different ways and all these different times but we need to understand that those times of pruning are going to come They're a part of our lives. So I want to kind of finish this section by reminding us things to remember during times of pruning because sometimes there's some misunderstandings when it comes to these things and I want to talk about them very briefly. Number one, God loves you enough to prune you. You are valuable to him. He loves you. He's pruning you because he loves you. He's pruning you because you are valuable to him. And he's focused on you. So he loves you enough to prune you. It starts with his love. Next, if you are in a season of pruning, it doesn't necessarily mean you've done something wrong. A lot of times we see that. We see, oh, God's pruning me. Or we don't even use that terminology. And we go, I must have messed up. I must have done something I shouldn't have done. Listen, pruning is not necessarily that. Remember, he prunes the people that are already producing fruit, okay? So so don't jump to that conclusion. Now, listen, that may be, but it's not always, okay? And I think it's important that we catch that. And then the final thing, and this is a big one, in a Christian's life, the pruning never stops. It never stops. God is constantly working. He's constantly pruning. He's constantly wanting to help you to produce something more. It never stops. And he loves you. He's doing it because he loves you. So, of course, Jesus first, he talks about God's pruning. Next, we're going to talk about is God's presence. Let's look at John 15, starting with verse number 4 and going all the way to verse 6. This is what Jesus says as he continues if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. I, I, I want us to stop here, because I, I know, you know, I, 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 we, we sometimes talk about that idea and that concept of abiding. And, and before we get into that, I, wanna, I want us to stop, and I want us to think about what an amazing invitation Jesus has just given us. He has invited us to abide in him, to be connected to him, to experience life with him. A lot of times we'll go through situations and seasons that are difficult, and we'll have this mindset, God, where are you? God, where have you gone? That's not what we're seeing, and we never see it in Scripture. We see this concept where Jesus is like, hey, just come be in me. Come be connected to me. Come be in my presence. I'm inviting you in. What an amazing invitation to know, listen, we're not going to be able to do it without him. We're not going to be able to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish without him. And he is inviting us to be in his presence, to be connected with him. And if we're disconnected from him, we're not going to bear any fruit. I I said earlier, think about your life. Are you producing fruit? Listen, if you're not and you can't be like, yeah, I, I can't see that. Listen, how do you do that? You abide with Jesus. You come and you connect yourself with him. You spend time with him. And when you become connected in the vine, when you get connected to that true vine, he will produce that fruit in you and through you. But a lot of times what we think is, is I can produce this fruit on my own. But you know what? We can't. In those moments, we're a lot like Israel. We're supposed to bear fruit. We're, we've been called to bear fruit. But apart from the true vine, we can't. And you know what's interesting is, is when we see these branches that aren't producing fruit... They're withered. They're, they're dry. They're, 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 they're not alive. And, and I want to just be honest. Look at, look at our lives. Is your life one of life and giving life and fruit of the Spirit? Or is it dry and crusty and not doing the things that it was called to do? Now here's the great news. Listen, we can continue, even if we're, even if we're in that place where we're like, you know what, Boy, I look at my life and there's not a lot of peace, there's not a lot of joy, there's not a lot of patience, there's not a lot of these things. We can go to Jesus, we can abide in him, and, and what he does so well in so many areas is he takes dead things and makes them alive again. I love that. I love that with with Jesus, death is not the final word in any way, shape, or form. So you say, you know what, spiritually, I'm I'm like that, that dead, dying branch. Hey, hey, Jesus loves to make dead things alive again. How does that happen? We abide in him. We connect to him. How do you do that? I wish, I wish I could come up with this great new fangled way to do it. But you know what? It's, it's what it's always been. We're with him. We spend time with him. We pray to him. We look to him. We read his word. We surround ourselves with people that are like-minded. It's why, it's why being in church, whether it's got to be right now in this format or when we can gather together, is so important. Because it's part of the abiding with Jesus. How, how, Aaron, what do you mean? How can you say that? Quite simply, where does Jesus abide? He abides in us. The Spirit abides in you and me. So when you and I are together, that Jesus, if I'm doing things right, that, that Jesus is, is splashing out on you. You know what I mean? That's how this works. We're abiding in Jesus' presence together. What's the Bible say? Where two or more are gathered in his name. Who's there? He's there. We can abide in him. And so if you say, you know what, Aaron? You know, I'm, not, I'm not producing fruit. I'm not doing the things that I need to do. You know what? It's okay. It's okay. Why is it okay? Because right here, right now, Jesus is welcoming you in to his presence. He's welcoming you in and saying, you know what? If you just abide in me, if you just spend time with me, if you just walk in life with me, I will produce fruit on your behalf that you need. Because apart from me, Jesus says, we can do nothing of eternal value. But with him, we can produce much fruit. So we have this amazing invitation. And the final thing that we're going to be looking at this morning is God's power. We've looked at God's pruning. We've looked at God's presence. And now we're going to look at God's power. Look at John 15, 7 and 8. This is what Jesus says. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now, Let's talk about this because, unfortunately, this, this portion of scripture is taken out of context a lot, and a lot of people kind of misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. Okay, so just so we know, okay, I don't want anybody to to, to stop watching this or or whatever, and, and get on your knees and start praying for a new car. And I'm well, let me phrase that. You know, some people need need a car, but but you know, no Lamborghinis. Okay. You know, not, God's not saying, okay, you know, get on your knees and pray for a 10, you know, you know 10,000 foot mansion. Okay. That's not what he's saying here. Okay. He's helping us to understand something else. He's trying to get us to understand something different. And I put it in your notes so you understand. Jesus is telling us, okay, we break this down. Jesus is telling us, when you abide and are connected to him, God's power is is with you and available to you when you pray prayers like God give me more love, God give me more peace, God give me more patience, God give me more of the ability to bear fruit. Okay? Now that now listen, that doesn't mean that we don't pray prayers like, you know, healing or or for people's salvation. That's not what he's saying at all. But what God is saying here is when we're abiding in Jesus, and we're connected with him, we will receive the power through him and through God to accomplish the mission of producing fruit, okay? That is the power. Because listen, no matter where you are, no matter where you're at on your journey, we can produce more love. We can have more peace. We can have more joy. We can have more kindness. We can have more faithfulness. We can have all these things. And listen, I, I know that Lamborghini's tempting. I get it, you know. And I, I know all those things are tempting. But listen, especially now, just think where we're at. Wouldn't it be awesome to have more love, more peace, like, 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 think of where you're, where you're at, you know? And God wants to bring you even higher. God wants to take you even further. Those are the prayers that we need to be praying. Those are the prayers that God talks about that he's going to answer. He will provide the power for those prayers to be accomplished in our lives. Those are the prayers that we pray that are according to his will and his spirit and his desire for us. Because here's the thing, whether we understand it or not, we don't need the Lamborghini. We think we do. In some ways, you know what we're like? We're like kids. God's like our Father. It's gonna make perfect sense. You know what I found where most kids, if I put in front of them broccoli, or ice cream. Most kids, now maybe your kids. you know, I was gonna say weird, but I I pulled back on that, but different. Most kids, they're going for that ice cream. I don't like broccoli, I'm going to the ice cream. But you know what? Let's be honest. We need the broccoli a lot more than we need the ice cream. Now sometimes, we get to have a little ice cream. And that's good, God loves to do that. But God knows what we need more than we do. He's a good dad. He's a good father. And he wants to equip us and help us and give us the power to have our prayers answered for the stuff we really need. The stuff, listen, the stuff that's eternal. And when we abide in him, that power is available to us. So when we pray those prayers, those things can come those things can be evident in our lives. I'm going to ask John to come on up. We're going to go ahead and close, close this out. You know, as we kind of close this, this whole series, you know, there's, there's a lot here. I mean, you know, I was talking to some friends of mine about the series and and what we were doing and kind of made the comment you know you know I said we're going to do seven weeks you probably could double that fairly easily and spend at least two weeks on each of these because there's just so much here and and I, I like learning about Jesus um, and, and whether he's called himself the good shepherd or the way of the truth and the life or or, or the true vine Jesus is wanting us to understand a little bit about himself. And maybe this is too simplistic, I don't know. And maybe it's just where we're at right now, and, and maybe if, if I'd done this series two years from now, I would, have, I would say something else. But one of the themes that I, I kind of see running through all of these is this concept that we need Jesus. We need Him so bad. And for some of us, that's, that's easy to realize, and for some of us, it isn't. And But we need Him. And I was going to say now more than ever, but you know what? We, we needed Him before all this stuff happened. Maybe this this virus has has brought us to a a heightened sense of that need. But no matter where you're at, whether you need to produce more fruit, whether you need to start producing fruit, whether you need Jesus to be that way or that good shepherd, maybe you need Jesus to be that gate. Whatever it is, we just go back to the same understanding that Jesus came because we needed a savior. We needed a rescuer. You know, there's another verse in John that's pretty famous. Most people know what it is and they have could recite it. And most of you know it. It's that verse that as Jesus is talking with a religious leader named Nicodemus. He explains it all. He says, you know, God so loved the world. God so loved you that he sent his only son so that whosoever believed in him could have eternal life. You know, a lot of also that we see in this, these seven I am statements is the concept of life. Not just eternal life, which is a big part of this, but life today. Life that is full of fruit. Life that is full of hope. Life that is full of life and life-giving things that we get to experience and also we get to share with the world around us. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if you need to produce more fruit or start, but you know what? The bottom line is we all need more of Jesus. And so in this kind of closing it all up and putting a bow on this series, this is what I want to leave you with. This is what I feel like this whole series has brought us to. We all need rescued. That's not a Defect, That's not something wrong with you. We all need rescued. And you know what? We're all in the process of God rescuing us and restoring us. That's a beautiful thing. So no matter where you are on your journey, some of you need to start your journey today. Some of you need to say, you know what? I need to get into that vine. I need to abide in that vine. I need to let Jesus be that shepherd. I need to go through that gate. I need to understand that there's no other way to the Father but through Him. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Whatever it is, you need to start that journey and you can do that today. For others, maybe we're on that journey, but you know what? We're not producing the fruit that God's called us to produce. We've, We've maybe detached ourselves a little bit from that vine. And we need to get back in there and abide we need to get back there and get connected with him so that we can produce much fruit you know maybe some of us we're we're in that process of 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 pruning and it's hard it hurts man there's you think about pruning man there's sharp things cutting stuff stuff that's alive sometimes you know and that's hard And we need to let God help us in those moments. We need to remember that that he loves us, that he has a plan, that this is just an ongoing thing so that we can produce more fruit. Listen, we need to be a people that embrace the pruning of Jesus, pruning of God, even though sometimes it hurts. So no matter where you are on this spectrum, the bottom line is this, we need him. We need him. All of us, me, you, every person that's hearing this, no matter if you're hearing it today or you're hearing it 10 years from now, we need a savior, that's why Jesus came. And he'll rescue you and he'll do what he's always promised he would do. He'll take dead things and make them alive again. He'll take the dead things in your heart and make it alive again he'll speak and life will come he has authority over all death not just physical death and he'll bring forth life so let's pray this morning god we love you and we thank you and jesus as we kind of bring all this to a close we admit our need for you we admit it if it's the first time we're acknowledging that need and we need to just invite you and accept your love and forgiveness if it's if it's people that maybe have uh, whether whether um, we've known you for a while or not and we've kind of disconnected a little bit we've kind of stopped being uh connected to you and connected to that vine and because of that our fruit is suffering For those, you're welcoming them back. Say, come on, get back, abide with me. That invitation is still there for you. I want you to come home. Abide in me and I in you so that you can produce much fruit. But Father, no matter where we're at, Jesus, no matter which I am statement you spoke, they all kind of have the same theme. We need you. We need you. And Jesus, I am so glad that you came to rescue us. You rescued us when we didn't even know we need rescued. You came. You died. You rose again on the third day to rescue us And so Jesus, we just all, we all acknowledge that we need you. We need more of you. We need more of the fruit of your spirit in our lives. And just like you came to rescue us, we know that you will answer that prayer. We love you. We thank you. You're so, so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, um, I hope that as we've gone through this series together, I hope that you've learned something new. I hope that the Spirit has illuminated things in your heart that maybe you hadn't seen before, and that those are all great and awesome. But I hope more than anything, you've understood the great love that Jesus has for you, the great desire that he has to be your rescuer, to be that good shepherd, to be the way or the truth, whatever it is. There's there's seven of them, but he loves you. And man, I miss you. I hope that, and I believe that we're gonna be able to be together soon. And again, I wanna remind you, okay? When that comes, we're gonna continue So these online things, so if you're not comfortable, that's okay. You are a part of our family. And we want you to feel comfortable. We want you to feel safe. And we're gonna be doing different things to help with all those things. And and listen, some of the the comments that you guys have made to to me and the leadership about your your trust in us, man, we thank you for that. That means the world to us. And we know God's gonna lead us. We know God will direct us and God will give us wisdom. And we're going to make it through this time, okay? So be praying for us, please, as as we look at these things. But man, we love you. I love you. I miss you. And we'll, we'll see you soon, okay? All right. God bless you. Have a great week.